creating cyberspace and welcome to episode 173 of the double density podcast with your host Brian angelo double density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers now first things first angelo it's been a couple of weeks hi how you doing etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm good how are you good i did an episode two weeks ago with my friend josh all about graphic novels the world of comic books and then last week we at multiple times tried to uh, uh record an episode but the universe didn't want us to so Cursed we decided episode. to to call it um, to call it off and then just to try again. We were so week. ready to go too. And then all of a sudden you send me a image video, I guess, of music blaring just outside your window. Yeah. So I live in an urban area that somehow has a, uh, like a tennis court across the street. And I guess, and I live adjacent to a very affluent part of Montreal where like, so we found out that it's like several, several thousand dollars a year um, to have a membership at this, at this tennis club. And so they have things like bands playing, but that band ended up playing last Monday from like uh, seven to nine. So it was kind of hellish. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's really hot out. It's brutal here in Montreal. We're in the middle of a heat wave. That's not going to end. Uh, this episode drops on Wednesday. So tomorrow, Thursday should in theory be the, uh, the first time that it finishes. It's going up until then. Yes. Oh, deal with it. I will. Air conditioning is very helpful. You sent me a video of you enjoying your air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do dumb things for work. So every month we have a meeting of, and we talk about one thing that like is either inspired us or impressed us the, the month prior. And sometimes I'll just like show up and just sh- hold up whatever I have to show. But I decided to make a really dumb uh, YouTube video all about central AC because I, for the first time in my life, I'm enjoying it. Um, I've lived in a very um, unfortunate circumstances prior to this. The last apartment we had, the windows weren't standard, so getting any kind of AC in was very difficult. Um, so I'm enjoying it. I, I will have to correct you, as this is a tech show. Uh, that is not central AC that you have. You have a mini split duct unit. I apologize. So what is the true definition of central AC then? It's uh, one giant unit outside that is, uh, and it comes through vents in your home. You have it coming through a wall unit, which is what I have as well. Right. Well, I call it centralized AC. It is, it is more centralized. I, I had one up until just this year. For the last 10 years, we had one of these units upstairs. And uh, uh, you hear that global warming thing that's happening? Uh, it's definitely happening because we did, needed a second one this year. Yeah, and uh, things are just going to continue to get worse and worse in this hellscape. Uh, let's enjoy it while we can. I had a friend text me say, hey, wonder how things are going to go like 10 years from now. And I don't even want to think about it. Well, look, speaking of things that we're happy with, or maybe not, are we happy with our current technology in our homes? Can like you define phones, current tech? Eh, phones, computer this. stuff, video games, uh, fun technology. Not like, okay, great, I got a new air conditioner. Uh, yay, I'll tell you the Fujitsu model that it is. No, not that. <laughs> Although I am happy with it, I will, I will not lie. I mean, it's fine. The current tech is fine. I have no complaints. It does what it needs to do. I can call my parents. I can surf the internet. I can uh, consume content. I can record uh, a podcast I could even live broadcast if I wanted to, I think. And you're not uh, kind of feeling the M1 MacBook envy at all? You're happy with your Intel? You have two Macs actually, right? I do, yeah. I have a, I have a, um, I have a MacBook Air from work and then I have a regular MacBook. Do you um, use the MacBook Air for work only? Do you uh, and yes. then have your, your personal MacBook Pro? Yeah, I swap out. I mean, the, the nice thing is I have a desk now, which wasn't the case um, in my last apartment. So a couple of months ago when I moved, I finally got an, a space to permanently like get a podcasting um like a, a mic arm and things like that so uh the air goes below here and then i take it back out um 182 monday mornings so that is exclusively for that what is the mic arm you're using brian uh, something i ordered online i don't remember okay because i was looking at some and some uh, they vary in price drastically i don't really think i need one because i have a, a boom mic arm here in front of me that just kind of fits in an empty spot at the corner of my room so it, it works well but if I needed to, I was looking, and they range in price from twenty dollars to one hundred and fifty dollars for like. Yeah, the, I think about I paid about thirty. Okay, so okay, so you didn't go all high end road podcaster uh, mic no, thing. No, I also have like you, like I have a setup. If I have like a a, a more classic podcast stand, like I kept I was using beforehand, then I would do that. Yeah, I, I just like it's nice having nothing in front of me. That was the thing I hated about the little the small mic stand I had. It was great, but it would get in my way. Right. And now when I gesticulate with my hands, I don't knock it over. So coming back to things you want to talk about, though, there is a paragraph in our show notes that you wish to discuss about your current tech. The floor is yours. Well, it's just saying, like, I like my current tech setup. Everything's good. Um, I did decide this week to get a uh, Ethernet switch. So I I'd had most of my house wireless, right? The only thing that was connected to Ethernet was my iMac, which, you know, it's nice having a desktop 
because of that, you can connect it straight to the internet. And Wi-Fi is fine, but I decided, you know what, let me uh, let me do a little fun project, inexpensive. I bought an Ethernet switch, not too expensive. Ran some Ethernet wire I did have, and I wired my PlayStation 4, my Apple TV 4K, my Apple TV HD, and uh, the other wires running to this Eero in my office, which was already there. So I'm actually noticing a difference. Wired is better, Brian. It absolutely is. I would, uh, we're kind of going through some of this at work, but uh, uh, we're realizing that with uh, Twitch streaming. Yeah, because, you know, you're, you're still getting your internet speeds with Wi-Fi, but the latent, latency is a little higher. And I did notice when uh, I ran the speed test, wireless, my Apple TV was getting about 300 down, and the, uh, what's the word? Latency, yes. The latency was about like, I don't know, 15 milliseconds. And once I wired it, I was easily getting over 400 and the latency was like four milliseconds. Oh, no, it's, I think it's called ping, Brian, ping. Yes, when you ping things, yes, ping, correct. Yes, so the ping was four milliseconds, which I think is good. So It's perfect, yes. Yeah. Anything under 100 is good. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, I, I had like gone. Also, you the, don't need to do any of this. I don't understand why you're doing this. When, like, what do you do that like is so intensive that you require a wired connection here? For Apple TV, it's nice because sometimes it reduces buffering, which I was noticing every once in a while. But uh, now I have none of that. The only thing I don't like with my Apple TV setup, and you know, I've talked about how much I like the HomePods, but sometimes I do wish those were wired too because every once in a while, like one will lose sound, and then I just have to like stop reset the apple tv which takes all of like 10 seconds but it's still annoying and i do wish they were wired sometimes because wires are always a little better wireless is more convenient though and uh i guess that's the thing with home pods right they're not going to be perfect in the grand scheme of like audio setups they're not that expensive either so i guess you get what you pay for so we are like uh seven or eight minutes into a podcast episode now and all we've managed to do is recognize wired better than wireless that, that's why people come to us, Brian. <laughs> Let's actually get to the backlog of things we've collected over the last like couple of weeks. Sure. The first thing I want to talk about is a Slate article that we'll obviously link to in the show notes. All about the It. Do you remember the It? Remember the uh, at the turn of the millennium how big the It was going to be? I don't remember it being called the It. Uh, that was something that was I was reminded of by reading this. I know who Dean Kamen is because I watched a documentary about him a few years ago about his water purifier that he's coming out with. And they did touch on the segue and all that. Um, but I guess uh, this is a nice segue to talk about the segue. <laughs> yes. So the segue was, of course, like, uh, you know, a, a uh, freewheeling two-wheeled scooter, more or less, right? Yeah. Standing. And the, so the, the hype about it was so much so that South Park did an episode on it. And I didn't remember that the South Park episode actually came out before it was revealed and they actually knew it was like a scooter type thing. Although the one on South Park is a little more involved. Yes. They're using a couple of more orifices in order to power the it. But I do remember being in my teen years and like learning about the it and like being like mildly intrigued, but also um, uh, I guess like cynicism in me is like a longstanding thing. So I knew it was going to be that good. Um, and then for it to be revealed to be the segue was very, very um, unfortunate. And sad. Well, the, the most telling is, Diane Sawyer on Good Morning America in front of a national audience saying, that's it? <laughs> really <laughs> so the article, the article is written um, um, by Dan Coyce, who is intimately involved in getting the journalists involved with uh, Dean Kamen and the whole team uh, shopping around for a book deal of substance. But the thing is that all of these publishers did not know what the it was and they could not be told what the it was because of Cayman's um, veil of secrecy. Yes. And no one knew this except what maybe a handful of people, some of the tech giants. And that was the problem too, is that people like Steve jobs were talking about how amazing this thing was going to be. And it was going to be bigger than the PC or the internet. Yeah, and of course it is not. It is now just what, like a nuisance used by cops. And they don't make it anymore as of a few years ago. No, exactly. So whatever you see is a legacy model with uh, uh, no patches, no updates, unless they're homebrews. And I, so I, I, as I, before I read this, I had just watched the DeLorean documentary on Netflix, which is sort of another thing, although you knew it was going to be a car. Uh, another huge disappointment. I agree, but it did give us the term suicide doors, so... Yes, because either you would get stuck inside the car or they would fall on you. 
Yeah, yeah, either or. There's no in between. Uh, I just found this was a really interesting article because I totally forgot about the it. And then, like, the segue, as soon as it premiered, became a punchline. It became a joke. And so it was kind of interesting to see the inner workings of how um, a desire to keep this internally and to build hype actually backfired for everyone involved. Yeah, and they had huge plans for this. It was, they were going to have a plant that was able to produce 10,000 of these units a week. Right. Well, they also forgot about the 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 price point, which was in the thousands of dollars. You know, like, and that's the thing is, like, you want to democratize the it, then your price point needs to come down a, tiny yeah. a little bit. All told, up until it went out, uh, off production, they sold one hundred and forty thousand units, which is uh, way less than ten thousand a week. <laughs> yeah, especially over the span of a I decade, think fifteen years. Totally. I think no, I think yeah. fifteen years or something like that. Yeah, so decade and a half. Um, I'm curious to know from our listeners if you were uh, paying attention to the it during the the lead up to it in uh, you know at the turn of the millennium. Let us know. And, and wait, more importantly, has oh, anybody good. listening to this show ever been on one? I know I haven't. I haven't. I've had friends who have who've like. I don't remember what it was like it was a professional context like a trade show or something and I think segway adjacent then yeah exactly I'm I'm a segway adjacent man I've seen some in person um actually at uh, in uh, at Universal Studios I saw them but were they uh, like uh like security? It was staff yeah staff being used uh, using them for stuff and I think I may have seen a tour once somewhere people like riding them I don't think I've ever seen anyone any of them here in Montreal though I've seen a couple, not a lot, but like I remember maybe like 10, 12 years ago, like on the street downtown in Montreal, I've, I've seen a couple of people okay. use it, uh, but not recently, thank, yeah. thankfully. Now they use the, uh, the, the quote unquote hoverboards, right? Like that's the cheaper version. Yeah. And I think it's made by the same company. I think so too. I, I mean, like I haven't really like, uh, I haven't done a deep dive into the world of hoverboards because they're not actually hoverboards, but that's an entirely different conversation to have. No. And that's also connected to the DeLorean. <laughs> all together we're yeah. just one one fl- like uh you know flat circle of time here i i, I do want to say if it hadn't been for this leak and the whole premise of this article is the fact that this writer realizes he was the problem and he he was the leak uh inadvertently and if it hadn't been for that i think the segue would have been fine it would have just been a new announcement it would have been a new product and may or may not have fallen flat but no one would have been as uh, enamored of, uh, by the idea of this thing being something so special. I feel like it would have shown up on Sky, like the, the uh, Sky Mall catalog. Yeah, $5,000. Like yeah, exactly. Nothing more, uh, nothing less. I would rather spend $5,000 on a uh, MacBook, a Mac Pro. Actually, no, that's, uh, they're more expensive than Mac Pros. Thank you for your uh, uh, thoughts about how much you uh, daydream about uh, a new computer, which I think is on your mind a lot, even though you don't need it. Because you've mentioned I, I this several times uh, in the last couple of weeks. They're like, oh, I might need a new computer sooner or later. No, I'm, my concern here is if something happens to this Mac, what do I replace it with? And right now, there's no M1 equivalent to this iMac, right? The, the iMac 24-inch is not the same thing. I wouldn't buy that. And if, So let's say this computer is spontaneously combusted. I would likely buy an M1 Mac Mini with a nice monitor. That is a, a viable way of doing things uh, for now. Uh, I, I also think you could also just uh, steal your work setup as a stopgap, right? How would I record this podcast on a garbage PC? Well, I mean, you'd run Audacity and uh, you'd plug in your USB. Mm, probably not. I would not want to deal with that. <laughs> no, thanks. I, and I'm sure there's people listening to this that have their own podcast maybe and do run it off a PC. And God bless you. Uh, congratulations on being able to do that. I would not be able to. Yeah, you're just, you're just cranky and set in your ways. Very much so. And then how would I edit it? Audacity? No, thank you. Double density. We here at Double Density, I like to think, are a paragon of excellence, a paragon of integrity, and a paragon of truth. Uh, and over the last couple of years, the website Snopes used to be regarded in that way, but not anymore, Angelo. So uh, one of the co-founders of Snopes, according to BuzzFeed News, has been caught plagiarizing articles. Um, for Snopes in order uh, to game the clickbait game. So David Michelson is a co-founder but, uh, of, of the Snopes um, verification website, right? So uh, I don't know about you, but like I used to visit Snopes on a very regular basis in the early 2000s and maybe up until like a, a decade ago when like it was really like the best source to figure out if something was bunk or not. Yeah, I did that too up until the point where you would go there and be inundated by pop-ups and ads. Yeah, so uh, apart from that, though, what they are also doing, or what Michelson's do, done before, is he's um, copied and pasted sections of um, uh, breaking news stories in order to game 
search engine uh, results or also just to ensure that like someone would click their version of an article and then go back retroactively and like edit it after the initial sort of like wave of news was happening. As someone that studied journalism and communication, Brian, is that the way things are done? Not, not if you want a successful business model that it can't be like charged with, uh, you know, um, stealing content. Okay, so it's incorrect. It is very incorrect to do. It is very poor taste. I, I mean, you would get an F if you were doing this in class. Not only an F, a C after class. Yeah, and actually, maybe you uh, you get some uh, academic uh, consequences. It's true, and like you'd be probably uh, a reprimand. You reprimand or like hung up to dry or fail the class. Yeah, it's not a good move. And I get the desire to like up revenue, but like this is a uh, gray slash black hat way of doing it that doesn't work out overall long term because sooner or later you'll forget to edit some of the stuff and then you'll get caught, which invariably happened. You know, BuzzFeed News did a great job of, of digging this up. He makes it seem like it was very much not his fault and he was just trying his best and he didn't understand how it worked. Well, if you don't understand how it works, uh, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. And well, either for, educate yourself or like, obviously that statement had to be said for legal reasons. Yes. And also people that did work for him make it seem like that's not true because he fully knew what he was doing and was asking others to do the same thing. Correct. And other people had left or were fired because they refused to do so. So now is there going to be a Snopes article about Snopes? I hope so. I like the, met, the Snopes metagame needs to be up here. Like Snopes co-founder plagiarized article. True. Exactly, that is true. What is it like? What was the website that did the Pinocchios? It's gonna bother me. Hold on. That is it. The Washington Post fact checker. Okay, would rate things on a Pinocchio system. So uh, any Trump speech would have a lot of Pinocchios. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's. I, I think that was one of the reasons why it was it was started. And then anything uh, an Apple executive would say would have zero Pinocchios, right? Because they always tell the truth. Uh, that leads us into our next topic. Uh, Apple, child safety, uh, a PR blunder. Angelo, I would like you to set up the context by this and then we'll get into a bit. Well, Apple is coming out with two new features in iOS 15. One is a protection for messages where anyone in your family that's 12 or under, you can control what images they see or you'll know if they're clicking on an image that may or may not have been inappropriate because the child will have to click through to say yes to see an image. And when they do that, the parent will be notified. So in my case, uh, we have a, a family set up here. And if one of my kids were to get a message with an image that may be inappropriate, I would know if they clicked on it, theoretically, once this is set up. The other, uh, which I think is the one that's causing a lot more problems, and these are two features they kind of announced on the same day, but they're not necessarily related. The other one involves seeing uh, CSAM images. And what does that stand for, Brian? I don't remember. It's a child exploitation Yeah, it's, it's basically a new way of saying uh, child pornography, which I, I think is, I think it's a, it's a better term because it's a more catch-all and, you know, you don't want kids seeing a lot of inappropriate things. Anyway, this is something where if you use iCloud Photo Library, if you have images that are in this database of um, known CSAM images, Apple will know and flag your account after a certain amount of flags, let's say. I think Federighi, who we'll get to next, mentioned that it's 30 images. Yeah, they do 30 uh, like, like validity checks or whatever, right? Yeah. Now, the thing, I don't, the thing people seem to be really ill at ease with here is that now your phone is quote-unquote spying on you. The thing is, is if you're using iCloud photo library, your phone already does this. And if you're using any photo library online of any kind, right, Google, Facebook, whatever, those services have been doing a longer time. The difference here is that because Apple wants to uh, maintain your privacy as much as possible in what, in their terms anyway, your phone actually does it. It's not up one. It's not once it's uploaded to the server. It's before it's uploaded to the server. The way I'm understanding it, correct, Brian? Yeah. So basically, if it's on your phone, it isn't touched till the moment that you use the the iCloud's photo service. Then it gets scanned. Exactly. So and there's a two two prong thing here. It, it, if you're not using iCloud Photo Library, it's not getting scanned. It's just on your phone. the 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 reason it gets scanned is so that iCloud Photo Library can actually upload it to your your account and uh, encrypt it and all that stuff. But if you're not using iCloud Photo Library, nothing's happening. So 
one of the things people are saying, well, this service, you know, it's not going to be helpful anyway because nobody's going to be dumb enough to upload this stuff to iCloud Photo Library. But as we know, criminals can sometimes be. Yes, that is very, very true. Um, And then to lead into that, of course, you linked me to a Wall Street Journal interview with Craig Federighi, who uh, uh, the more I watch him, the more he looks like he's slightly in pain most of the time. So I took a screen cap. I might throw it up on our Twitter or Instagram account, but like literally not great. Right. So, of course, uh, Apple reaches out to a journalist that they are friendly with. Of course, like this is not adversarial at all. No, not at Um, all. And so he kind of unpacks uh, the optics behind it and uh, doesn't admit that there's a, a mistake being done, but kind of admits that the uh, handling of the messaging should have been done better. But at the same time, like Apple kind of knew what it was doing. Like when did yeah. they drop this? They dropped the info on a Friday afternoon. Yes, of course. That's where you drop the stuff you don't want anybody to really talk about. We should drop our podcast Friday at four and see how that goes. Yeah. Seven people will listen. So yeah, Frederiki like makes very salient points. And this is, you know, a lot of what you've covered. He, he sort of explained, but I wish they would have talked a little bit about, um, so Federico explains that like they ship one version of their services worldwide. Yeah. Whether it be the United States, Europe, or more importantly, China, right? So this is where it gets a little bit bothersome for me, right? So what happens in a situation where the People's Republic of China says, hey, we're looking for dissidents. Can you scan iCloud for us? That, so that's the thing, right? It's not iCloud that's being scanned, right? These scans happen on your phone. And I think- But as the, soon as you enable- iCloud Photo Library, exactly. iCloud Photo Library, yeah. So- that's the thing, right? What, what, will, what would Apple say now? So CSAM, that's actually not a terrible thing to be scanning. Like I'm, I'm kind of of the mind that, okay, it makes sense. Where I'm more like ill at ease about it is that it, it's, it's... It opens the door yes, that's to certain situations um, geopolitically that are vastly different. Because North America, fine, this is very contextual. Yeah, I and don't this is see... only happening in the US right now. The CSAM yeah, thing I... is only US. But the problem, the problem then begins is that you then open that door to have that conversation with different world powers who then would like to use that for their own means. Yeah, and because that's I wonder if I Facebook see. is doing this or Google Photos is doing this, right? Like, it's, Well, Facebook isn't in China anyways. They aren't at all, right? Not really, no. It's, it's replaced by like um, messaging services like QQ and Weibo. Okay. Because as soon as you can reveal these capabilities to people on the world stage, then it becomes a conversation to have. It becomes pushback. And then sooner or later... Um, a governmental power, probably China, may decide that either you comply with us or you're out of the, you're out of here. You simply will not sell. And this is the thing: is that they made large inroads, and we've talked about this. They made large inroads in Asia, specifically in China, in order to grow their market um, because kind of like plateaued. It's plateaued here for like let's say the last like what thirty six forty eight months. Yeah, Apple's in a kind of position though with with CSAM and and anything like this, where it's like damned if they do, damned if they don't. Remember uh, when they had the San Bernardino. Uh, shooting speed shooter, phone, yeah, of course. yeah, and they refused to open it, like they refused to unlock it. That they couldn't, and they said, "Look, we're, this is encrypted. We can't do it." Um, they got a lot of flack for the opposite, right? So now, like, no matter what they do with this type of criminal activity, there's going to be one side that's not happy versus the other. Yeah, the side of freedom is usually not happy. Well, depends, right? Like, what, what, what? Like, people are the people who want the phone to be unlocked are the ones saying, well, this is for freedom's sake to prevent terrorism. Meanwhile, oh, I, meant the, personal, I meant personal freedom. Yeah. I mean, you do get the personal choice of, do you want to use iCloud Photo Library or not? You can no, say of course, no. Like, you, pick, you pick using an iPhone, and I totally get that. But then again, like the intersection of like capitalism and personal freedoms is, is very, very um, uh, uneasy, especially yeah. when you decide to use something that is a global brand rate, because the thing is, like once again, you have different countries that have different uh, priorities when it comes to monitoring its population. So yeah. what does that look like and how does that use? And I do think it's going to be interesting um, in a sort of like removed kind of way. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're next, sort of like, facing that here now, right? With the, the whole vaccine passport thing, where I think we're the only province doing it right now. We're, we're, we're going to have the app on our phones. We're going to be the soonest one, yes. Yeah, so we're, we're the, we were the first ones to even think about it, and that was months and months ago where they said, if things are bad in the fall, we're going to implement this, and there's going to be an app where you're going to have a QR code, and you'll be able to show that if you want to do um, non-essential activities. So, you know, you want to go to the grocery store, well, if you don't have the vaccine, that's, you know, the, we can't prevent you from going there but you want to go see uh one of them cool heavy metal bands brian likes well you're going to need a vaccine passport and i hear those metal heads are uh, total anti-vaxxers right brian yeah that's that's definitely true no not at all actually, i actually have i don't know if we've discussed this but i bought tickets to to two shows one in late november one in early december uh, the headlining band in late november is from the uk and then uh the other band is from the states 
um, for the other December show. I have no idea how that's going to play out. And if it's going to happen at this point. Well, that's the whole thing is I'm fully expecting to be refunded for both. Yeah. I mean, look, all a lot of companies now uh, are, uh, and we've, <laughs> we've segued from Apple's uh, CSAM thing to uh, COVID again. And, but it, it comes out to the same thing, right? Like the, the whole vaccine passport thing, some people are crying out saying it's, it's restricting their freedom. Uh, and they don't want to be forced to take a vaccine that they shouldn't have to, you know, my body, my rules, whatever. Uh, meanwhile, these are the same people that uh, don't uh, want to let people uh, do other things. So it, it's frustrating to see that. You mean you mean abortions? Let's yeah. Well, quite not only that, they don't want to. They don't want. They don't want people to uh, have gender changes and things like that, right? Like these are the same people that usually. Uh, that's like you. You was it you who linked me the thing with the the or did I link it to you? Where there was a woman crying out saying children shouldn't be forced to wear masks because if God wanted us to have masks, he would have put one on our faces. And exactly. The, the reply to that was, "What about clothes? It's just what about anything at this point? What about water? Right? Yeah." Let's swing back right before I forget, though, um, to to uh, all things Apple, because it's, it hasn't been a, a good couple of weeks, both on the, the commercial side, but also the creator side, because Apple Podcasts is not going well. Brian and I have, have very uh, often said we're not uh, users of the Apple Podcasts app because it's uh, we're very uh, special snowflakes and like indie podcast apps. So we both use Overcast and I believe you pay for it as well, right? You you give the... Uh, I do, yeah. I, I pay my 12 or 13 bucks a year. Yes. Yeah, and it's 100% worth it because it's so much better than the Apple Podcasts app. How do you feel about paying $70 for an app though? $70 for an app? Well, cumulatively, that's what's going to happen, right? Eventually? Over like a four or five years, yeah, you're paying $70. I mean, I guess, I'll, and if I use it for 10 years, I'll be paying $130. I don't mind paying 15 bucks a year if it's even that for a service that I use. I mean, I pay 20 bucks a month for Netflix. Which isn't even worth it anymore. Let's get into that. Oh, yeah. Do you want to get into that? Because no, I am really. finding I just, myself I just, watching less and less Netflix <laughs> Well, I mean, the whole thing is like services. you've seen, we, we have seen all of these charts about like how many like um, uh, movies and television shows that Netflix has licensed throughout the years, right? And over the last, like it kind of like hit its zenith in like 2012 or 2013, I think, and then like quickly plummeted. We've talked before about how um, pirating content is back in full force too. I'm finding if I want to watch something, I don't mind paying for it as long as it's it's worth it. Um, so for example, I have Crave TV, which is basically the HBO in Canada and, uh, they, well, HBO and like, and like, um, like a bit of Hulu, like, I, like, I don't know how yeah, to describe it. It depends on the licensing. Cause a lot of the Hulu stuff is also on Disney plus here in Canada on some, as well as something called star and some of it is on prime as well. So yeah. because we don't live in the U S our services kind of get split up into different things. So our Amazon prime is quite different from the Amazon prime in the U S yeah, correct. But coming back to the issue at hand, uh, Apple uh, podcast, Dumpster Fire. I don't know about you, but I've listened to a bunch of podcasts in the last um, two weeks or so that have complained about how Apple wasn't actually updating their podcast to subscribers properly. So they were missing a bunch. I haven't had. Have you heard from any of our listeners uh, having that problem? I I actually check Apple podcasts to make sure that we're dropped on there, too. And we've been doing okay, right? We've been doing okay, yeah. Fireside is pretty great for that stuff, which is our, our backend server and, and service that we use for... Though not, though not Fireside Chat, which is a whole other um, dumpster fire going on right now, too. It's so frustrating to see like some big uh, corporation, I guess, try to take the name of this yeah, for like, tiny and independent like not- podcasting service. And not even like for good reason either. Like it just, it's anyways. Um, so 30% of people were reporting problems uh, about being able to get episodes on Apple podcasts in the last couple of weeks. Yes. And another thing that people do with podcasts is some people uh, for them for like for, we've said it many times for Brian and I, this is like a, a fun hobby. We do this. We're not like expecting to get paid or anything. Um, but if we were, you know, and we wanted to do a Patreon or whatever, well, Apple Podcasts makes that more problematic than ever. Yeah, like you as a creator can't upload um, a single file to your service and then have it uh, branch out into a paid RSS feed, which is the huge problem that a lot of people complain right now because they have to upload, let's say, like on their uh, native podcast platform, Patreon, um, depending on what your setup is, maybe Spotify Premium, um, and then also Apple. Yeah, and, and for years, one of the things I loved about podcasts is that they were so... Um, I, for lack of a better word, like democratic, right? Like you could, you just, anybody could put an RSS feed. Apple would suck it up into iTunes, not charge anybody, not really do anything with it other than have this interface and like an index of podcasts that 
other podcast apps could use, right? Because Overcast uses the iTunes index because it's it's got everything there. Well, the majority of apps do, right? Like, in, if you want to be known in the podcasting world, you kind of unless you're unless you're Joe Rogan, yeah, or like unless, another similar um, Spotify exclusive. But you've already made your bones podcasting. Yeah. So I'm wondering, is Apple trying to do this to uh, compete with Spotify, which is making well, things worse? So. Yeah, and it's dumb because it's <laughs> it's just making things a lot more difficult especially for the independent podcasters. This is geared more towards like the big name podcasts. Well, yeah, people who have like whole networks, right? And it's funny, and, and I'm now seeing this very uh, analogous comparison being drawn because the 10 years ago, a lot of these streaming services had content before it got siloed out on every single um, proprietary streaming service. And this fracturing is sort of happening um, on the podcasting side of things a decade later. You know, for, for people like us that are independent podcast makers, like keeping it indie, and uh, handcrafted podcasters. Yeah. It's frustrating to see these giant podcasts have uh, do this. And of course, you know, they have a staff of 50 to make a podcast that sounds not much better or than this podcast <laughs> in terms Correct. of audio quality. That, that makes me crazy when I see podcasts rifle off their 15 producers and researchers and all that. And their audio quality is garbage. Yeah. It's a, you know, a zoom call. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I, I've never understood that. That being said, Angela and I are proud to announce that we are starting our brand new Double Density Patreon. Exclusive feet picks <laughs> coming straight to the Patreon feed as well as exclusive episodes over at... Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. We haven't started Patreon. Though it's, it's been funny though because a couple of people have asked me in the last couple of weeks if we've thought about doing that. And we're not quite sure like what kind of content we would want to do there anyways that we don't do here. And, and that's the thing also is like Brian and I, we like doing this podcast. It's fun. And number one, there's no pressure on us at all. It's just well, no, you know, like if I have a band playing outside, I don't really have to worry about like uh, you know uh, meeting a Patreon goal for the month and like yeah. letting people down. I I don't know, like I'm I'm open to the idea, but I think it would have to work for you and I uh, in a way that like makes a lot of sense. And we're not quite sure what that looks like at all. So we we've had that conversation before. We're not we're not sure where to go with it. We're right not against now. it at all, right? If people want to no. do Patreons, we're totally for it. We've I mean, I know I've wait paid for on Patreon. our behalf. You mean? No, no, no. But other podcasts and stuff, I think it's great when they do it. Just yeah, of course. For the two of us, the way we treat this podcast, where it's like mostly bi-weekly, sometimes weekly, just for well, fun. Well, I mean, we did weekly during the summer. I think we did like two months worth of weekly. Yeah, from we did May two to, like, years worth of weekly, right? Like we never yeah. missed a week. You know, I'm, I'm happy with the way we have this podcast going. Brian and I, I don't think we've ever had an argument about this podcast ever. Although I we don't think we've... We've won, won. We had an argument? Uh, I wouldn't even call it a, maybe a, like a mild like disagreement. A disagreement. At one point we talked about doing merch, but you didn't want it to uh, uh, complicate your taxes as meager as those were. Uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't call that an argument. No, I you would were like, let's do a, merch. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Cause I knew that I wouldn't win that one. But yeah, like once again, like um, uh, I do like the idea of, of patrons. I'm subscribed to several, but then again, like, what do we do that we're not doing currently? I'm not quite sure whether it's like weird, smaller episodes, um, audio dramas. Like, I'm not quite sure what that is. And until you and I like both hit on something that like we want to do continually um, for our audience, I think one regular episode is fine. Yeah. And then finding the time to do all that stuff too. Yeah. But I mean, once again, like there's a financial incentive to do so. Ah, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's a chicken and egg kind of situation. And like, we're not even close to buying the chicken. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, listen, like, we love talking about how the sausage is made here on Double Density, right? Yeah, we like sausage. If anyone has any great Patreon ideas for us, uh, we're all like, our digital door is always open. So you always find us over on uh, uh, on Twitter, double underscore density. Let yeah. us know what you think. Or uh, go to our webpage, and uh, there's the form you can fill out, doubledensity.net. You can just <laughs> click on the thing and send us an email. Send us an email. I think that's a good move. Or yeah, tweet at us just very publicly. Um, so that way I could just uh, um, uh, quote tweet that and send it to Angelo in a barrage of tweets. And speaking of tweets, we might talk about one in uh, the next segment. Let us go ahead and do so. Head on over to the panel section. Angela, I will see you there. See you there. Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. First things first, Angelo, I, uh, the show account got, speaking of tweets, got a tweet from Brad earlier today all about um, 
a very interesting and uh, a terrestrial based issue that I wanted to talk about. So I will drop this in the show notes, but it is a link to an article from the drive explaining how um, uh, border patrols in Tucson, Arizona uh, picked up on a very sophisticated um, uh, drone earlier this year in February. And uh, yeah, I, I feel I want to know, and this was Brad's thinking too. Like I want to know how UFO Twitter would like take this one. I wonder, maybe we'll, we'll uh, let it fester and see where they take it. The, the thing that struck me at first, I was thinking, well, it's just somebody messing around with one of those really expensive drones. But the conversation between the pilots and the ground people were that it was too big to be a quadcopter, which is what I yeah, guess like they commercially, were, yeah. yeah. And it was too small to be like a Predator UAV. And it was making maneuvers that were really strange and fast. And on top of it, it was over a military base where there was no signal where somebody could get a line of sight to be actually controlling this thing uh, easily if it was a consumer model of some kind. So they deduced with all that that it was some sort of military drone, but a drone of such uh, advanced technology that they'd never seen it before and couldn't figure it out. And it's funny because you and I have constantly harped on the point that like, um, uh, not all UAPs can be expertly explained by terrestrial means, but we have talked about how a lot more of the official sanctioned uh, Lou Elizondo, a like uh, to the stars style of like UAP reporting um, uh, could be military in nature. Well, look, this was over a military base, but the, the question is, is it coming from the military base or was it spying on the military base? Apparently they said it was flying over the base and kind of hovering around the fuel tanks on the base. And then it just took off way higher than the helicopters could follow. So definitely, once it goes to that point, it cannot be anything terrestrial. Uh, sorry, terrestrial controlled. <laughs> not something, not extraterrestrial, but they, the pilots were thinking it's likely controlled by satellite, which is pretty advanced. Yeah, if you head on over to the uh, the drive article too, there's some audio um, between all parties involved uh, in the incidents, which I th- found really interesting because once again, they're very confident that it is terrestrial nature, just maneuvering very oddly in ways that they haven't yet encountered uh, in the wild. I mean, for like a lack of a better term, right? So I, I find this very interesting. I'm curious to see um, how this gets evolved. But once again, like I want to add this to our arsenal of like, once again, like I do believe that there are genuine, uh, and I'm going to use the term UFO here, like genuine UFO encounters. And Not UAP, UFO. we hate UAP. Well, and, well, that's the whole point is I'm going to say that there are genuine UFO encounters and reports, but then on the UAP side of things, like that is my designation for all things like um, pseudo uh, military or pseudo um, government involved. Like plasma bubbles floating in the sky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Turning into Tic Tacs. But all of this, I think that like, um, once again, I think there are two different tracks here that are like happening that we uh, love to report on. One more fol- folkloric in nature, one more um, quote unquote like evidence or, or data backed, which, yeah. I like to use the term folkloric because that's like my favorite part about UFOs, right? Like hearing the stories of the old timey UFOs, that, that, always makes, uh, that always makes me happy to listen to. I agree. I think there's a certain, um, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's been messed with too much by like government or official entities. Like big brothers not stepping into that zone as much, um, as they are now. And it's funny because like sort of like related, it's hilarious to go and watch both UFO Twitter as well as like UFO related subreddits complaining about the lack of disclosure. And it's like, these are people who've only been involved in this cause for like six months now. Yeah. And I mean, we've been following this thing since the nineties. I mean, even for me, like the late eighties, I was totally into this. I think I got up. I noticed it the other day at my parents' house. I should have picked it up and brought it home, but I have like this Mysteries of the Unknown book. Like, Is uh, it the one that I had? Over Is it the, the Reader's Digest one that I have? No, it's something totally different. It's like one of these big coffee table books. And it's not, it's not the true Mysteries of the Unknown thing. It's like the Unexplained Phenomenon or something. I okay. can't remember exactly. I think it was even specifically Canadian. Uh, I'd, have to, I'd have to go Spontaneous Combustion? Somewhere. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, and, and it's it is like you know not to like mention one of our friends as we always do, but it's like one of the reasons I like our strange skies so much, right? Because Rob finds the old school great stories of UFOs. Yeah, exactly. Versus uh, uh, Twitter arguing about what someone said or didn't say at a an event where it was digital in nature, and then two hundred fifty bucks for a ticket. Yeah. Um, one last thing uh, that made me laugh about this, uh, all of this, not not the the drive article or like that incident, but like the fact that like right now, 
Tucker Carlson has a web exclusive subscription only um, series on UAP and UFOs and claims that he will be dropping a lot of facts there. He's, he's just, he's given up at this point. It's not like he can complain about the president as much or talk about how great the other president is and how there's going to be some sort of revolution. Uh, he's, uh, he's talking about UAPs now. A true garbage human being who I wish... He to go wish, back to his bow tie. Yeah, he would, I wish no one would listen to him, but that is not um, the case here. And unfortunately, like he is wrapped up in both um, the political sphere as well as the um, UAP sphere. Not the UFO sphere, but the UAP sphere. Yeah. So um, I would love to not listen to him anymore. Lou Elizondo was on his show. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, as well as the, I think the Black Vault, like Green, uh, Glenn Greenwald was also involved in, in this web exclusive show, I think. Ugh. There, there goes my respect for that guy. <laughs> I know. It's a very complicated issue. And our uh, friend of the show, Zach Zaichi, was like firing shots at him on Twitter. It was, it was a whole thing. Like, once again, UFO Twitter is going to UFO Twitter. Yeah. Um, to people who don't use Twitter for UFO means, though, this must be very, very confusing. Yeah, I mean, I hardly spend much time in the UFO Twitter thing because it's so infuriating. You know what else is infuriating, Angelo? What? Trying to deal with a creature in the skies that you cannot identify. So we have strayed a bit from this kind of conversation, but I'm super excited to talk about one of our favorite cryptids, which is the Chicago Mothman, who keeps making the rounds, uh, especially <laughs> around O'Hare Airport in Chicago. He is taking way longer than the Point Pleasant Mothman to bring us like bad news or anything, right? Um, I, I had to look this up because I couldn't remember how long the Mothman had been seen in Point Pleasant before the Silver Bridge collapse. And it was actually 13 months. Eerie, 13. Ooh. Uh, but like November 15th, 1966 to December 15th, 1967. He was just seen in that time period. But now this Chicago guy has been around for, what, four years at this point? 2017 was the earliest uh, seeing of him? Yeah. Sighting, not seeing. And so most recently... Um the website Phantoms and Monsters, which is just, I think, like a blog spot skin. Yes. Um, has covered the fact that uh, two witnesses have come forward to talk about seeing a red-eyed winged humanoid in late July uh, near O'Hare. And uh, these two people work there. And uh, what they've been able to ascertain is that they are probably FedEx workers because what has happened is that they were explaining how they were loading and unloading cargo onto planes. And they're not allowed to talk about what they see there on an official capacity if they see anything weird, I guess, terrorism related. And so they called something in thinking that it was just some idiot trying to climb the fence. But no, red glowing eyes, large seven wings. Seven feet tall. Seven feet tall. Uh, the classic Chicago Mothman view. So one of the reports seems to come from a... Uh, um pretty religious person talking about demons and he believes demons do walk about among us so let me just read i i highlighted this let me read this okay so from the the second person who probably is a co-worker of the first reporting this i know in this world that demons walk among us and i was certain that whatever the thing was it had to be demonic and an agent of the devil all right i i Solid. so do you feel that biases his report like he's he's predisposed to seeing something is he, though? No, I guess maybe not, but it, he's predisposed to putting certain characteristics to something. Yes, that is fair, because he then goes on to say, I'm certain this demon, that this was a demon and must have been sent here to frighten us. I mean, it could have been a really weird-looking deer. It was just really hungry. It had wings. Or an owl. It's always yeah, yeah, an well, owl. It's always, it's always owls. But um, uh, that is an excellent question that I often think about. It's like, okay, so you are bringing this to the table, whether or not um, you're just trying to, uh, in some ways you're trying to explain what you're seeing, I guess, and like through the lens of religiosity, I think that makes sense. Totally. So I'm not necessarily sure as to whether or not he is this person, and I assume it's, it's a man, and I apologize for misgendering if that is not the case, but I assume that this person here, regardless of faith, saw something. Oh, yeah. I always come back to people like they saw something. I, I don't think most people that report that they saw something weird are making things up. They're just misidentifying it. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's a long line of misidentification happening. I linked you, of course, to um, stuff that happened last year. So last, last fall, mm -hmm. um, a USPS worker sees a Mothman at O'Hare. O'Hare is uh, an interesting place. There's always weird stuff happening there. It's, it's still the, the, my most favorite, like, recent ufo sighting of well recent at this point it was 2006 yeah, but yeah. like 21st century ufo sightings it's up there with one of my favorites i agree is it just is it the true denver international airport like denver has all of the lore right associated to it with all the the secret society stuff all of the like what if there is there's aliens in the you know in the sub levels but like what if o'hara is the true beacon for all things weird denver is a decoy 
Do you think that like maybe Mothman, Chicago Mothman is just disgruntled that he cannot get a job, uh, like a menial job because of his looks? Possibly. He's, yeah, but he'd be useful. Like he'd be great Amazon delivery. Yeah, absolutely. Like forget these drones, right? Like, I, think, I, I think Amazon has a man in drone delivery, right? At this point, I haven't heard anything about it in like 18 Well, months. they're busy flying over military bases and looking at their fuel <laughs> tanks. Yeah, but it, it, it's fun to sort of think about like why, uh, why is Mothman just outside of the fence? Because in the, the report from last year too from Genome Magazine that is reporting on a UFO clearinghouse report. <laughs> like, I just love the fact that they'll link to each other so that way I'm clear as to what originally, um, uh, who reported what when, um, which is of a great help. But like once again, like a Chicago Mothman, you know, huge, huge. I mean, I maybe just wants like a cushy FedEx job with the benefits and everything. Because as I was reading this, I pictured a sad sack math, uh, Mothman. <laughs> I pictured a sad sack Mothman just hanging out in the rain, just looking and then seeing a car and saying, hey, help me. And he was kind of chasing after the person for help, but they didn't feel that way. And then uh, going back to 2019, the Singular 14 uh, Society reported in December 2019 of um, someone who worked at Chicago's airport was like leaving um, December 6th, 2019 to go meet friends after work and saw something. And, uh, now, what exactly did they see? Like the similar red eyes flying big black. Exactly, yeah. The, it's, and, it, it's all the same thing. So I think these people are seeing the same thing. What is it? Do I think it's Mothman? Probably not, Brian. I mean, like, if O'Hare Airport has such large issues and continual issues with a cryptid just kind of kicking it, you'd think there'd be better uh, security measures or better at least like surveillance measures, right? Again, nobody is able to capture this thing on camera ever. No, it's not like not they have cameras that. with them. And that's the weird thing, too, is that like, okay, so if you are, I guess you don't want to necessarily like run and approach it. You know, it's it's a giant hulking figure of a cryptid. Do you really want to like embrace it? Yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm almost picturing like a small version of like Mothra from uh, <laughs> from the Godzilla movies because because we uh, you know uh, I watched Kong uh, versus Godzilla this week with the kids and they really liked it. So yesterday we watched the first Godzilla movie, which uh, my son found quite boring at the beginning because it's like I told him, oh, this is the first movie. They have to set it up, right? Yeah. Once you get to Kong versus Godzilla, it could be all action because... Well, King of Monsters. Yeah. Well, King of Monsters is next. We're going to watch that next. Okay. Because I think he's going to enjoy that way more given that... I think so too. And I'd like to see Kong Skull Island, but I don't have access to that just yet. We'd have to rent it, which I don't really want to do. My favorite of the Monsterverse movies by far. Kong Skull Island? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. well, it has all the Marvel heroes in it too, right? Loki, <laughs> Captain Marvel, Nick Fury. Yeah, just all together, all in one place. Um, but yeah, I, I just find this interesting that like this is a very region-locked uh, continual uh, cryptid sighting that like I don't know at this point whether or not, um, and I don't want to sound like a downer, but whether or not um, people are just riding the coattails of like mentioning something they may have not seen that is hard to verify just to continue um, or to be part of the narrative. I don't know, because some of the people reporting this don't strike me as people that would be following this story closely, necessarily. No, but at the same time, like, these are unidentified people, right? And I'm not saying that, like, we should, oh. um, we should like, contactee or, like, cryptid viewer shame or anything. But all I'm saying is that, like, it's pretty easy in this day and age to drop info via email and just say something. And, like, I, I and the thing that bothers me about a lot of these things is that there's no independent verification of who these people are according to the articles. They haven't done any of that, right? No. So they're just, they're taking face value stuff. So if they claim that they're employees and I get that there are concerns about um, job security and things like that, which is why they may not want to, but not even like a proof of ID or something. You know what? We should check Snopes. <laughs> let's just go ahead. Yeah, let's just log into Snopes.com and see what the, sh- I, I'm, I'm curious actually, Snopes. See who wrote it too. Uh, see if it was plagiarized from something else. Oh, no. Okay, never mind. There is a Snopes article um, that says Mothman returns to Point Pleasant, Virginia from 2016, which is proven false. Oh, well. Um, Brian, do you want to meet Chicago Mothman? I would love to meet the Chicago Mothman. I will not have a deep dish pizza because I hate them, but I will definitely have a Chicago-based uh, meal with Mothman, watch him fly around, maybe just listen to what he has to say. Do you think Obama's seen him? <laughs> uh, uh, are we talking like Obama now or like Obama like back in the day? Like pre- well, I mean, doesn't he live in Chicago? Does he? I, I, I don't keep track of where these I people think he live. Does. I don't care. I don't know. I think he does, but maybe I'm wrong. But he's from Chicago. Um, well, I mean, he's not from Chicago. He's from Kenya, I think. Right, Brian? That is correct. You figured it out. I'm very proud of you. I'm going to use our show account to add Barack Obama. I'm going to do that right now. Hold on a sec. 
Done. At Barack Obama. Okay. Have you ever had the pleasure of meeting the Chicago Mothman? Inquiring minds would like to know. Thanks. Tweeted. <laughs> and now we're getting flagged. You can check. Um, so Barack Obama has 129 million um, uh, Twitter followers. But of that, like, there's a large percentage of bots, I think, right? Well, yes. Once you get to that point. Although Twitter, didn't Twitter have like a sort of... They did a purge. They did yeah. a huge purge. Which wasn't a, enough of a purge. I feel like we've rambled on enough here for episode yeah. 173. I, I'm just going to devolve into sending um, celebrities tweets about the Chicago Mothman, which is not the best idea in the world, given that like we are uh, an audio-based format. No. But I see you right now, though. That's great. And I, I see your, your gaming chair. My chair, yeah. My very comfortable chair. Angelo, you know what yeah. I'm going to ask you? Uh-oh. You, go ahead. Are you going to ask me about my chair? Oh, well, no. I'm going to ask you about our socials. Oh, uh, Boring. I could I could have gone talk about my office chair if you wanted. If you'd like to, Angelo start a, a tweet thread on the double density account about his new chair, about no, the selection process, about the delivery. We're at uh, maybe that's what you do once once a week. Once a week, you should Instagram. hop on and onto my, and onto do my chair? a tweet thread about things that like you were doing in your life, like wired versus wired list. Okay, wired list, wired list. Yes, correct. Uh, um, our socials: uh, double underscore density at Instagram dot com. Is that one of them? Yes, that is one of them. Double underscore density uh, at twitter.com. That's right. Um, we have double density.net at the internet.com. What else do we have, Brian? We have an email <laughs> we have address. Double density.net. I just right? said double density.net at the I know. internet. I'm, I'm linking all of these together because I was also going to say, like, you can also see our, our bios, which we perennially mentioned that we're going to update the, the number picture. two. Yeah. It'll just be a picture of the Chicago Mothman. And uh, uh, soon launching our Patreon. I didn't. We didn't get to talk about OnlyFans at all. But like, whatever. That's fine. Uh, yeah. That's next kind of week. Been, I mean, that's been uh, everywhere too. Yeah. Because I mean, they're just showing how uh, they're learning from uh, Tumblr how that worked out for Tumblr. Well, also like, I, let's not break that down because a lot of people have done like really, really great jobs of doing that. But like, we'll we'll continue downwards and uh, uh, we'll see if we can come up with an angle that hasn't been like endlessly covered in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, uh, we might start an OnlyFans. Who knows? Who knows anymore? This is a, a wild west. Of, uh, of subscription-based platforms. Excellent. Excellent. Angela, with that, I will see you on a mic next episode. Great. See you there. See you there. <laughs>